place. I know she appreciates our efforts to be always well-dressed. Kitty edged toward the tiny fire in the grate, seemed unable to combat the stuffy cold of the over-furnished room, with its heavy marble nudes, bought at an auction at Jobson's in a rare extravagant mood by Mr. Harrison, the heavy red plush chairs, the draped mantle crowded with photographs and ancient seaside shell mementos, the dining table swathed in three heavy cloths, and the massive threadbare velvet curtains with their dingy bobbles framing the winter scene of the heath. Various oil paintings in need of cleaning decorated the walls with their massive gilt frames. Hot and airless in summer, and cold and suffocating in winter, it seemed a fitting room for the massive, heavy Harrison meals of cuts of cheap meat and tired vegetables, bought for a few pence at the end of the day in the stalls of Camden Town Market. Mrs. Harrison was wont to bemoan the fact that no amount of solid feeding would plump out Kitty's delicate, slim figure into the rounded hourglass mould which was so fashionable. Mrs. Harrison had long put away dreams of getting a foot into high society by means of a dazzling marriage for her daughter. In her eyes, Kitty was plain and depressingly timid. The fact that her own overbearing personality had brought about the latter fault never once occurred to her, and the more shy Kitty became, the more raucous and bullying her mother grew. With a martyred sigh, she finished her breakfast. Come along, Kitty, don't dawdle. Have you got your Bible? Now do remember to smile when Lady Worthing addresses you. It is a most important connection for me. She hustled Kitty before her and out into the hallway, past the study door where her father sat alone with his mysterious accounts, and then into the freezing air of the winter's day. The frozen trees on the heath stood mournfully under their coating of hoar-frost, and raised their twisted limbs up to the leaden sky, as if praying hopelessly for spring. Mrs. Harrison hurried up the icy road, pushing Kitty in front of her like an angry mother hen with a recalcitrant chick. Kitty's long tweed cape was insufficient to keep out the bite of the wind, sweeping over the frozen ponds on the heath from Highgate. The way other people dreamt of riches or power, Kitty dreamt simply of warmth. Only listening with half an ear to her mother's complaining monologue, she conjured up visions of enormous blazing fires burning merrily in bright, uncluttered rooms. Kitty, you're not attending. Yes, Mamma, the housekeeper. Exactly. It is a disgrace. Mrs. Bennet wants seventy pounds a year. Ridiculous, I told her. Servants these days are getting so uppity. I told her there were only three of us to care for, and... Kitty went back to warm her hands at her dream fire. Cook housekeepers came and went, each one more slovenly than the last. Mrs. Harrison always referred to each new addition as a old retainer. I would turn her off tomorrow, but one must look after old servants. Unaware that everyone knew that the old retainer had been with them only a few months. At last they reached the church. 
Kitty waved to several of her old school friends and got a lecture from her mother. You must cut these connections, Kitty. Not at all the thing. Miss Bates's seminary may have been excellent for the money, but do remember these are the daughters of shopkeepers. You must try to get more elegant connections. Kitty bowed her head and followed her mother into the church. The familiar Anglican smell of oil heaters, damp prayer books and incense greeted her. With a sinking heart she noticed that Lady Worthing was already ensconced in her pew with her two daughters, Anne and Betty. As usual, she was unseasonably hatted. Her pug-like face stared round the church from the shadow of a broad-brimmed straw hat that was topped up with a plethora of shiny hard wax fruit. The dead skins of several small ferrety animals hung around her.